Okay, are you ready? Uh, yeah. Okay. Welcome to The Strange and Unusual, where we discuss the strange and unusual. This is episode 24 of our series seeking out the weird, the unexplained, and the devious from around the world. I'm Casey. And I'm Raya. And today, we're talking about Greece. Go big or go homa. That was funny. I'm quitting. That, I'm quitting that, the podcast. That was funnier in my head. Forever. <laughs> I'm done. Find a new co-host. The new... The new person to edit everything. The new strange and unusual drinking game is Roya quitting every day. <laughs> How many times does Roya quit in an episode? Take a shot. <laughs> it's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> Come up with the rules for our drinking game. All right. I like it. I like it. I like it. Then you could also have how many times does Casey say, don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that only happens when Roy is doing a true crime. Which is happening today, everybody. Which Tell us what you're talking about. Today. I know you guys missed it. Probably <laughs> not, but maybe. Um, I am talking about the... Oh my god, I literally listened to a How to Pronounce This. Okay. I don't know anything about that story. <laughs> it's the um, Chrissa Fetis family. Okay. And they are murders. What are you talking about? I'm talking about um, Theodosius and the Bleeding Stone and the Massacre of the Hippodrome. That's a lot of words. Yeah. So mine is kind of rough. It's not super bad. So I don't know where you fall on the situation. Uh, Mine is... I mean, mine has the word massacre in it, so. Mine does involve the murder of teenagers and... Oh, yeah, trigger trigger warning. Um, Minor uh, commentary of sexual assault, not super detailed or anything. And two of the victims were under 18. Well, one of the victims is under 18. There's my trigger warnings. Maybe you should go first. Mine's it's not. not i mean it's it's like I, i'm gonna say it's not that bad like it's not ken and barbie it's not armin mavis it's not okay you know, like to me it's not that bad but it's well, so I, bad because people died like <laughs> i can go first then it's up to you okay. either way okay this is the episode where we argue over who goes first um <laughs> I, I can go first. Should we flip you went a coin? First in the last episode, so I can go first this episode. All right, fine. Okay. It's June 25th, 1991. And an insane heat wave is currently affecting all of Athens, Greece. It's hot. It's miserable. It smells like death. Ooh. In a filthy rich neighborhood full of incredible villas and private streets and hardly any traffic on a regular day, there was suddenly a terrible traffic jam. When people got to the origin of this jam, they found themselves in front of an amazing palatial home 
whose drive and the road in front of it was completely loaded with police cars and ambulances. The smell of death permeated the air, and the heat wave certainly was not helping any of the matters get better. Yeah. So this is the home of the Christophetis family. Um, McCollis and Liz, who is from England originally, and their two sons, um, McCollis Jr., who was 16, and George, who was 18. Mm-hmm. So the patriarch, McCollis, was the owner of a factory, and the factory was doing really, really well at the time, and had allowed the family to move into this really ritzy area with this just really nice house, and they weren't wanting for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the places I read described this area of Athens being like the Beverly Hills of Athens. Oh. Like, this is where the the elite lived. Okay. And those who saw the family alive last said that there didn't appear to be anything strange going on, and everything seemed really normal. Everything was going about the way that they always does. Kids are going to school, parents going to work. Everything was the same. They were also talking about a party that was planned for the 19th that Liz was really excited about, the 19th of June. So when McCollis did not come into work on the 18th, his partners were concerned because it was really unusual for him to not come in and even more unusual for him to not alert anyone that he was going to be out. Because again, he's one of the high partners of this company. He's taken a lot of pride and has a lot of responsibility here. So it's totally not like him to just not show up. So they called the house and the phone was answered by the family's Thai butler, Prasert Sertsana. And Prosser told the partners and everyone else that called that day that the family had taken a spontaneous vacation until the 28th of June. They just decided to pick up and leave. That's not suspicious. Yeah, and, and people were suspicious, but it wasn't out of the realm of possibility for this insanely wealthy family to just suddenly decide to take a trip either. Yeah. Like, if you had the money and the means to do it, like, who wouldn't, who who hasn't thought of, like, man, if I could just go do, you know, whatever today with no, no concern and no planning needed, like, everyone has, you know, a trip that they would do. Mm. Still, this is a Roya story, so I'm already suspicious. <laughs> On the 19th of June... So now, a day after when McCollis did not come into work, mm-hmm. Prossert's wife told co-workers, as well as Prossert's mother and aunt, that he had a very ill member of their family in Bangkok, and that they needed to go to take a trip to see this person, because they didn't know if this was going to be the last time they would be able to see them. Um, and from what I've read, this was said to be Prossert's uncle. So it was the aunt's husband and the mother's brother-in-law. Um, that was the one that was supposed to be sick. And 
Sertsana, the whole Sertsana family left for Bangkok on the 21st of June. Mm-hmm. So the extended family of the Chrysophidus started to become increasingly alarmed as time went on. Finally, on June 24th, Macaulay's nephew, Alexandros Macridis, one of my... Okay, so his nephew, one of Macaulay's partners, and a neighbor of the family all got together and were like, okay, this is weird, something's going on, we need to figure it out, and called a locksmith to come to let them into the house where they found a horrific scene. <sighs> I don't so, like it. <laughs> so, Jr. was found bound and gagged to a chair, and almost all of his bones were broken with a sledgehammer. No. In another room, George, the other son, was also gagged and tied up, and he was killed by several blows with an axe. Next to him was McCalla Sr., who was only tied up at the wrists and was also deceased due to blood, uh, blunt force trauma. In another room, they found the body of Liz. And she was dressed kind of outlandishly in this really expensive formal gown, but was also completely nude underneath, so she wasn't wearing any underwear. Um, all of the murder weapons were in the house. Uh, they consisted of a sledgehammer, an axe, and a pickaxe. And the safe was filled with jewelry and bonds, but all of the cash money was gone. Um, also, McCullough's briefcase, which held a lot of really important documents, was also gone. But everything else seemed to be completely untouched. So there didn't seem to be any outward signs of struggle. There didn't appear to be a break-in. This didn't look like a, just a robbery gone wrong, because if that had been the case, why wouldn't they have taken the jewelry? Mm. And why would they have taken a briefcase full of papers? Mm. Also, they found something particularly strange, which was a handwritten will, leaving everything to take a guess. I don't like it. He's in Bangkok. What's his name? The butler? The butler yeah. did it? Yeah. Tim Curry did it. <laughs> the will left everything to Alexandros Macaritis, Macaulay's nephew. Oh. Who was also, strangely, in the group of people who found the bodies. Which, if you pay attention to any kind of serial killer shows in real life, or like documentaries or fictionalized serial killer dramas like Criminal like, Minds. They like to come in and be like, gasp, they were killed. Who did it? They like to be the ones to call in the bodies. They like to be the ones who are there when the police find it. That's what they want. Yep. So according to the coroner's report, um, both McCollis Jr., and George, so both of the sons, were murdered first on the 20th of June. McCullis Sr. was murdered on the 21st, and Liz was finally murdered on the 23rd. 
It's also been determined that Liz had been sexually assaulted. Oh, I'm so upset. Yeah. Prossert and his family never returned from Bangkok. He and his family had left on the 21st of June, meaning that he had presumably been there minimally for the deaths of the children. So what part did he play in all of this? Was he involved with the murder? Did he unknowingly allow the murderers in? Some people wonder if he signed on for a robbery, but not for the murder. And so when it escalated, he grabbed his family and ran back home to Bangkok in Mm -hmm. an effort to stay safe, like just putting distance. Another theory is that it was a rival of the Chrysophidus family, or perhaps they had made more dangerous enemies, and Prossert was forced, due to threat of himself or his family, to allow these people into the home. Then, in an effort to keep him quiet, they let him take the money and get out. However, if the theoretical killers in this theory were already going in to brutally murder a family of four, why would the singular butler be allowed to get away? That's a great question. Many reports say that Prossert uh, was always treated well by the Chrysophidus family, like a member of their own family. And while we all know it isn't impossible for family to kill family, what's the motive here other than taking the money? Yes. Which, if he was treated like a member of their family, he wouldn't have felt like he needed because he was already living the good life. Yeah. And, or perhaps Prossert had been paid for his cooperation by someone who was suddenly trying to inherit the partnership at McCollis's well-off factory. Mm-hmm. And then he was allowed to leave after fulfilling the requirements of letting the people in. Whether or not he knew what exactly was going to go on, we may never know. Mm-hmm. So, the longer the, I looked into this, the stranger it got. Like, why was there so much time between the deaths? Yeah. Why was McCollis Jr. so severely beaten and broken? He wasn't even the... He was the, the 16-year-old. It's not like it was a, a threat of, you know, this young strapping guy who could maybe take us out like the 18 year old son I think would probably be a larger threat I haven't seen pictures of the kids so maybe McCollis Jr. was like the bigger one of the two Mm -hmm. but that still seems really extreme like you don't have to break someone all of someone's bones with a sledgehammer for them to be dead by a sledgehammer right and those were all uh before he was killed, it wasn't, like, posthumously done. I couldn't find anything on if it was posthumously done. Like, uh, overkill sort of situation? Yeah, I don't... There's not signs of overkill with any of the other family members. Mm-hmm. So, I would find it kind of strange if someone had, like, a particular issue with this 16-year-old. Well, if it Especially, was his cousin, maybe there was a rivalry or something. Maybe, but this still isn't the older son. If he was concerned about inheritance, I would be more concerned. Theoretically, you would be more concerned about the older son rather than the younger son. Yeah, unless 
there was something personal between those two and he knew he was already going to kill the older son anyway. Maybe. This is what you wanted. You wanted my speculation, right? Yeah, we're speculating wildly. Yes. So other questions that kept coming up to me while I was reading about this is why was Liz left for last? And why was she dressed so finely? Like she was in like a like an evening gown. Yeah. And it it definitely seems personal to me. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a random attack. It doesn't seem and it also doesn't seem like someone like a hired gun because this has too much flair. Like you're not more than likely dealing with like the Iceman here where he's been doing this for so long that he's got a flair that you know for the dramatic this is someone who came in was focused on doing what he was going to do but for some reason was taking his time doing it Mm -hmm. because if you look at things like had someone shown up at the house on the 18th when they were first concerned that, you know, McAuliffe wasn't showing up to work, could they have come in on a hostage situation? Right. Like, is this kind of like the Ken and Barbie killers where, you know, if the police had followed up on the lead, they would have been there while they had a live victim in their house? You know, like, what... It's so tricky because we don't know exactly when all this started we don't know when the person first got into the house Mm -hmm. and so another strange thing to me is a handwritten will is bizarre this is 1991 he is mccallis is a wealthy businessman there's no reason for him to not have a legal will right especially with two children and all of this money and a wife that he seems to like there doesn't seem to be any issues with their marriage or relationship that I found and so you'd figure that he would have done the adult thing and had a will written up to protect his family in the event of his death especially if he starts has been dealing with any kind of shady people you'd think that that would definitely be something that he did and not only protecting his family but also to you know, protecting his partners, too, if he did care about them. Like, there's a lot of factors in working with, you know, large large partnerships like that. Yeah. And so why wouldn't he have a standard will? Why this handwritten will? And then on top of it, it's possible that Alexandros orchestrated such... A well or like is it possible that he was able to do such a well orchestrated crime but then decide to do something that would be so easily denied in court like a handwritten will like there's no it's not been signed by a notary or like any equivalent sort of situation this isn't a legal document this might as well just be a post-it note saying like alexandros can have all my stuff yeah. You know, like this isn't it's not not legally binding. Anyone in the family could say, you know, no, that's not 
what it is or a real will could be found the partners could you know disagree and take it to court there are so many different ways that this will is not going to work so why would you go through all this trouble of orchestrating such a well-done crime yeah and the more the more we discuss this the less i think the butler did it and more like the butler was probably involved like yeah. he probably either helped arrange this situation or i mean he if nothing else he helped cover up what was happening because if he was the one who answered the phone and said uh they're on vacation like and then happened to leave the day after the 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 children were killed like that feels pretty hinky yeah but i don't see motive in that uh as much as something like i mean rape torture those are those are personal things yeah those are i'm passionate about how much i hate you and that is that's probably more rival family rival business whatever and yeah yeah so greece did reach out to thailand in an effort to get prosser questioned if not extradited back to greece for the investigation but thailand would not cooperate with greece on this though they did send um police officers from thailand to greece for the Thai police to do their own investigation, basically to make sure that Greece wasn't trying to, like, foist blame on another country. Right. Um, but it's unclear as to why Thailand wouldn't cooperate at all. And so some theories I read said that it may have been due to Thailand trying to repair their image to the Western world. And so this yeah. was something that they just sort of tried to sweep under the rug and um, not bring attention to because it wouldn't have looked good on them either way. Like either having a murderer there, a potential murderer or someone who knew something or, you know, trying to cover it up in some way. Mm -hmm. But either way, to this day, you know, almost 20 years later, the case remains unsolved. They don't actually know who killed the entire family. Um, so, they didn't find any fingerprints on the weapons. I have to assume not. I couldn't find anything saying that they did. No um, DNA but they on did, the rape kit. They did, well, it's 1991. Right. And well, it's Greece. I don't know how far advanced they would have been in 1990. I mean, we, even in the U.S., still have millions are doing, that aren't run. Yeah, are, yeah, have millions that aren't run, but also, you know, in the early 90s, DNA was still 100% a new thing. Yeah. I don't know. This is... I don't like it. <laughs> I... Mm. You know what we need to do? What? What's the, go, what's the lady Go to Greece from and the, solve this crime. We do. Well, uh... <laughs> the lady from that Cold Justice show. What's her name? Oh, yeah. I like that show. Kelly. 
Kelly Siegel or whatever her name is. We'll we'll go with her and we will figure it out and we'll be the new cold justice <laughs> ladies. <laughs> She'll okay. be like, what are your qualifications? We have a podcast. You're we on. We speculate wildly. You're hired. <laughs> That's exactly what we need here. Thanks for joining the team. You're welcome, Kelly. We will give you all of our invaluable wild speculations. We clearly and blatantly mock science. (laughs) Even though we like science a lot. We do. (laughs) Wow. That was quite the story. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting when I... Who do you think did it? I think that... Alexandros had the most to gain. Yes. From Especially having his the, family murdered. Essentially since he mysteriously showed up on the will, but that could also be a, a red hair. Point over there and run away. Yeah. And that was another thing that I was kind of thinking about is if this was like a rival company or someone who was trying to muscle in mm-hmm. on uh, the Chrysophitus family and their fortune, then what better way to do that than not only do you murder the family so that they can't say who did anything, but then on top of that you also disinherit the, you know, only yeah. other person who could have had a chance at, you know, taking whatever you were trying to get away. And so I think that more than likely it is some sort of a rival company or um, McCallus got involved with something, with someone that they he shouldn't have. You think it was um, the mob? The Greek I mean, mob? maybe. Do they have those? I'm sure they do. Everyone has organized crime. But... I mean, it's a possibility. I don't know how... I don't know when they were active. You know, like, I don't know the how it would have been in Greece in the 90s. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, you get involved with the wrong kind of a loan shark or anything. And if he didn't know what he was getting into or he didn't know the severity of who he was getting in business with you know yeah any number of things could have happened there as a result and i think that that would fall in line with you know the additionally throwing the other viable heir you know to the wolves By saying, like, oh, yeah, it's super weird, isn't it, that, you know, he just happens to be on this handwritten will. Also, we don't know who wrote it. It I couldn't find anything where they said, like... That was my next question, actually. Yeah, that it had been, like, positively determined to be um, McCollis's handwriting or anything. But the one that keeps throwing me off is that not only was... Like, why was Liz last? Well, I think, I mean, if it was a rival family, rival situation, jealousy, 
situation, he dresses her up in a fine gown. He does what he wants with her and makes her watch because the whole idea of men, you know, proving to women that they're powerful. Like, I killed your kids. I killed your husband. Now I'm going to do whatever I want with you. I mean, there's a lot of that that could be at play. Unfortunately. Yeah, I guess. It just seems like if she... There's not a reason to think that she would have been the target. So to me, it would have been... It would have been more... Like, it would have hurt the husband more to be the one that was last... Yeah, and but there's there's also nothing saying that he didn't get cucked in that way, like that he had to watch his wife get tortured with that, and then he was like, you know what, I'm gonna kill you because I want to get that over with, but I'm gonna continue using this body for what I want until yeah. I I'm ready to leave. That's and fair. and. She may have, with that sort of situation, been the one to let them into the safe. Yeah. Because if you consider, you know, like, he he might have been more like, you're not getting my shit, I'll die first. I don't know. Speculating yeah. wildly. Yeah. Because what else are we so. going to do? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. This is very weird. And I would be very curious to to know what happened if they would do anything to take Kelly over there and have her do this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was an interesting unsolved that I hadn't um, heard about in any of the like podcasts or shows I watch. And when I started reading it, I was like, oh yeah, it does. It's one of those like, yeah, the butler definitely did it. And then you're like, wait a second, maybe the butler didn't do it. Wait a second, maybe the... like nephew also didn't do it and now i don't know what to think anymore like yeah the butler had to be involved in my opinion i think that it's possible that it was a situation where because i know one of the things is like why would they let the butler go yeah um but when i was reading about it and i was thinking about it I could kind of see if it was a situation where, say, you know, these people show up at the house, knock on the door or whatever, they're armed. This butler is not, like, this is not something that he has signed up to do. He's not a bodyguard. And so he lets them in because he thinks that they're just there to rob the place. And so lets them in. They come in and it very quickly becomes clear that it is not just we're going to rob the place. There's more mm-hmm. that's going to happen. And the reason why he is able to get out and gets the money is he says like, hey, you know, my family's not here. They know where I work and they know when I'm supposed to be home. They're going to send the police if you don't let me go. Like well, the police that, are going to be here sooner than you want them to be. And then the invaders were just like, okay, yeah, you're right. Take this money. Leave. If you ever say something, we'll find you and we'll make sure that your entire family is there just like their family is entirely here. Yeah. And, and going back to the 
personal vendetta thing, they don't have anything against the butler. Yeah. So maybe they just were like, get the fuck out of here. Take this money and keep your mouth shut. We don't have a problem with you. So who knows? Yeah, don't make us have a problem with you. Yeah. Wow. Well, I feel like we could go on for another hour just speculating, but we should probably (laughs) move along, little doggy. I want to do an episode on the Wild West. Anyway. (laughs) Didn't I kind I mean, I did did Belgunas. It's kind of the Wild West. You did. You did. But that wasn't you, so I guess that's fair. Today, I'm going to tell you a story about a Roman emperor and the massacre he inflicted in Greece. And a lot, a lot of my stories start with a history lesson. So get some caffeine ready, because here we go. I like this little shtick we have going. If you do like the heavy science ones, and I'm like with this heavy history shit. It makes me, makes me smile. All right. So first, do you know what a hippodrome is? I can't say that I do. Okay. It's basically a venue for horse racing and chariot racing. The okay. Greek words hippos or horse and dromos meaning course. Horse course. Horse course. That's not hard to say at all. <laughs> Uh, it would be like uh, more akin to a Roman circus than an amphitheater. And you know how people get weird about sports here in the States? It's like, we kicked your ass last night. And when referring to their favorite team, and it's like, you didn't do anything, Bob. You sat on your ass and drank beer. <laughs> yeah. Or like uh, when Philadelphia riots in the streets uh, because the Eagles lose. Yeah. Thessalonica had similar loyalties to several different teams of charioteers. Uh, These hotties prone to dying and occasionally suspicious accidents. These racers had intensely fanatical support from their fans, the kind of fans that were prone to violence if they perceived an offense to their idol. Secondly, the emperor. Theodosius I, Flavius Theodosius Augustus, Theodosius the Great. He was born January 11th. So extra. Yeah, right. Uh, 347. Uh, He's the emperor from uh, 379 to 395 AD. And he was the last emperor to rule both the eastern and western halves of the Roman Empire. He's known for his persecution of the pagans. Outlawing pagan practices, criminalizing certain types of divination, destroying pagan temples. You know, typical ancient Roman Christian type stuff. Generally, not a great guy, from what I understand, despite being called Theodosius the Great. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're great. Well. (laughs) Then third, we have Boothric. He was a gothic magister militum. Let me break that down, because, well, me being me, when I saw Boothric was a goth, I got a little excited and went, oh yeah, not like me goth. So, (laughs) 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 though there is some debate, the goths are generally believed to have been mentioned in Greco-Roman writings from the first century under the name Gutonis. 
Uh, the word goth doesn't turn up until the third century. Anyway, there are these Germanic barbarian people who had some kind of beef with the Romans. Mostly they wanted their shit. The Goths ransacked different parts of Rome. Uh, there was a lot of fighting between the two and Rome was like, you know what? How about we just placate these barbarians, pay them, feed them, give them land, arm them, let them fight for us and have these Visigoths create a buffer between them and the rest of the European barbarians. And that worked out okay until that rabble-rouser Attila the Hun showed up. But, back to Boothric. So he's this Roman military officer of this Gothic descent. Magister Militum means uh, master of soldiers in Latin, and so he's a high-ranking dude. He is stationed in the capital of the Roman province of Illyricum, which is, you guessed it, where Thessalonica is. It gets around that this chariot, chariot racer, chariot racer, yep, chariot racer, a homosexual, may have committed some kind of lewd act. From what I understand, Boothric, well, goths, but especially Boothric, did not like the gay sex. So he was like, oh, hell no. And was uh, has arrested this chariot racer. I couldn't find a solid answer on this, but in a lot of versions I read, it was involving a young boy. So it was some kind of pederasty crime. But the people of Thessalonica were really into their chariot races, like I said. And they were like, no, we want him free. Imagine if Jeff Gordon did something terrible and was arrested. The outrage that NASCAR fans would feel. They would riot in the streets. I don't know NASCAR. Is he still relevant? Yeah, I was like, is he still relevant? I don't know. Email Dale Earnhardt Jr., maybe? (laughs) Yeah. If you know NASCAR, tell me. Jeff Gordon's still a thing? Yeah. (laughs) Just showing your age there. I know, right? So, there's a riot. There's violence against these Gothic soldiers. And the people in Thessalonica maybe take it a little too far and maybe sort of lynch Boothrick. Oops. Oops. <laughs> now, I wanted to be said that these Romano-Gothic soldiers were often subjected to prejudice by the civilians, and several massacres of Gothic soldiers occurred in these times. You know, it's kind of like, no, I'm not even going to go there. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I feel like that would be oh. bad taste. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, Theodosius, he hears about this, and he is hot. He is in raged he sends orders for these goth soldiers to wipe out all of the people in the hippodrome seven thousand men women and children were massacred in only a few hours some sources claim up to eighteen thousand were killed theodosius to his credit realizes too late you know what this might be a mistake i changed my mind let's not do that but it's uh The retaliation has already been carried out and thousands of innocent people are dead. This was not in order to find the people that did this and make an example of them. This was a kill them, kill them all like Dustin Hoffman's Captain Hook. (laughs) And so 7,000 people at least were killed. So the interesting thing about all this is that historians cannot seem to agree that this is exactly what happened 
And what I've just described to you is a very simplified series of events. I read a publication by Stanislav Dolzal. I think it was how you say it. Uh, but it's from the Institute of Classical Studies and Institute of Philosophy uh, of the Czech Academy. Uh, sorry. Czech Academy of Sciences in Prague. This essay was about why this version, the most published sequence of events, makes not a whole lot of sense. And that there's no reason for the uh, for the emperor, Theodosius, to simply go into such a white-hot rage over this unless there were other factors at play that aren't being discussed. One of the reasons for this may be because most of the historians at the time are in the church and maybe don't want to write down everything that is ungodly or whatever. One theory that uh, Stanislav brings up is that Boothric may have been a part of some scheme against Maximus, the usurper of the western part of the empire. And while that's not really what we're talking about today, it's just so that you know this is not really a closed case in terms of historical conundrums, and people are still writing about it and trying to analyze it today. So I'm presenting this in a succinct, pared-down version so that you have an idea of what's happening without me giving you a dissertation on Greco-Roman history. (laughs) So... Things go badly from here. Poor Theodosius. Currently resides in Milan. After this massacre, the archbishop, Aurelius Ambrosiu, or Ambrose of the saintly renown, uh, leaves Milan and refuses to celebrate a a mass in the emperor's presence until he repents. At one point, Theo tries to enter the church where Ambrose is about to hold mass, and Ambrose straight up dogs on him and bans him from receiving communion until he repents. Theo, who, quote, had been brought up according to divine words and understood well that some affairs are handled by priests, others by emperors, realizes that he cannot do anything about this situation and returns returns to his palace, weeping and sighing. After eight months of this public penance, uh, moaning and groaning in his palace, the magister uh, Rufinus finally has had enough. Rufio goes and helps the emperor, walks up to the church on his behalf, where Archbishop, Archbishop Ambrose dogs on him too and even accuses him of complicity in the massacre. Ambrose eventually changes his mind. The emperor was readmitted to communion on Christmas Day, 390, after an eight-month penance, uh, and there's also potentially the additional promise that he would change the law so that cases in uh, death sentences, there would be a 30-day stay before execution, and, or possibly, the promise of closing all the pagan shrines throughout the Roman emperor Empire. The emperor didn't have any shrines. (laughs) Sorry. So that is not the reason why I brought you to Thessalonica. Here is the cool cursey thing. It's a little short, but I wanted to give you the background so you understood what was happening. Yeah. The surviving citizens of the city erected a memorial stone to honor those who had been slaughtered in the massacre. Allegedly, it had all the names 
of the thousands of people who had been killed inscribed on its surface. And it was said to miraculously bleed once a year on the anniversary of the deaths that the massacre took place. The emperor, not wanting to be reminded constantly of the big boo-boo on his reign, decides that he wants the rock destroyed. Eh, So Makes sense. Unfortunately, it is said that this destruction incited a curse on the... Uh, Ippodromeo Square, or Hippodrome Square, where the stone was erected. According to one tourist-driven website on the city, almost every building that has been built on that site, and those whose tenants did not recognize the historical distinction of the site, was, according to legend, violently destroyed. In 1978, a building collapsed due to a severe earthquake and 29 people were killed that's rough yeah so the new building that is on the site is home to the uh, Thessaloniki History Center and the archives of the history of Thessaloniki or Thessalonica um, containing wealth of references to the Roman Hippodrome Massacre and so far Nothing has happened since. And sometimes the dead just want to be acknowledged. Yeah. I think that's super interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's, I always think it's interesting whenever there's like those moments of, um, Christian myth, like mystery, I guess. Yeah. Like the, you know, statues start bleeding and like all those kinds of signs of the, um, not signs of the cross, but I mean, I guess technically, um, stigmata and that kind of stuff where it's like these weird unexplained situations where randomly something will happen and everyone is so quick to say like oh yeah it's because because christians or because of whatever thing i always think it's interesting to hear more stories about stuff like that yeah and what's really interesting is like some of the theories on the whole why did he get so mad like yeah these were this was not an uncommon occurrence like I said, people had been having these, like in a really simplified version, I would say it's like if Trump decided to open the idea of the wall and then inscript a bunch of the people trying to get in to protect the border from other people trying to get in. And yeah. And like, if a bunch of rednecks went and killed a bunch of those people, how many of the supporters of the president would really care? And would the president care? Probably not. Probably not, unfortunately. So, so that was what I didn't want to say earlier because I felt like it was too simple. But to make it like something for today, that's kind of how it feels. It's like, 
why did he care? Because these were not people he was attached to, obviously. This was not, this was a, a time where, you know, there was a tenuous peace at best, coexistence. They were, you know, put on the front lines to protect the people of Rome and Italy so that they didn't have to fight any more barbarians. Yeah. And so, what was Boothric up to that made Theodosius so, you know, feel such a need for retaliation? Was he up to something different? Were there pagan things involved that the church didn't want to write about? Yeah. Well, and again, like, this is something that it's so, you know, lost to time mm-hmm. as to what and three translations and you know exactly. the game the game of telephone that is oral tradition yep then you and know who knows it could have been over nothing it could have never happened like there's so much you know room for question yeah and what's really what really fascinates me is when you consider like the number of books of the Bible that are ignored or not, you know, not published or, you know, whatever the case is and how much of whatever this history is, was just ignored by the people writing it down who happened to be the church. Yeah. You know, that, that it makes me wonder what was actually going on. The curse was sort of an interesting side note that led me into this, rabbit hole of why the fuck did this happen which clearly is just how Greece is going to work now it's going to be the episodes of why the fuck did this happen and who did this and <laughs> what's the real story <laughs> well I mean it's it it brings to mind like that um, dogma the movie with yeah. uh, Salma Hayek's character saying like did you ever notice that every woman in the bible is you know a villain like she's it's always with the exception of the Marys, like, they're always the one at fault. It's always their fault that mm-hmm. these bad things are happening. And, you know, I think that it's very much a sign of the time, which is why I don't have an issue, like I've said before, I don't have an issue with anyone that has faith. But I have a hard time. It's sort of like, there, there's so many things, like, documents and texts can only be valid for so long right. before the world changes and they need to be updated. They need like, to that's evolve. Why, that's why we can make amendments to our constitution. That's why these things are, you know, like... And there, there is language in the constitution that I think could still be... It's It wasn't written with the mindset of where we are now. Like, the Founding Fathers could have never fathomed an atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. You know, like, not in a million years could they have thought. Like, they were still struggling with the fact that, you know, like, should people be considered property or not? And, like, right. can we put that into the, con- you know, George Washington wanted to put that into the Constitution, but there's no way for him to get that in at the time. Like, he couldn't have succeeded at that. And I think that it's really interesting, like, and somewhat unfortunate when people are unwilling to see that maybe the bi- the bible isn't black and white yeah that there's there's room for growth and 
you know, ultimately when you are reading the Bible, you are reading something that was written by man. You're not written, like, not to say that there's anything that makes Islam more viable or less viable, but at least, you know, like, in their belief system or, like, Moses on the hill, you know, having it be written by God through them as a vessel. Like, yeah. the the Bible was written by men. Yeah. By the hands of men with no intervention of Jesus or God or anything. Right. It, even in the text itself, they don't even, like, cover it like that. And there are so many books of the Bible that are missing. There are so many things that have been mistranslated and misinterpreted over centuries. You know, like, even the the text from Leviticus of, like, a man shall not lie with another man the way a man lies with a woman has been translated and retranslated so many times that it's changed from the original meaning. Mm-hmm. Like, we see it in, in modern or semi-modern, like, colloquialisms. Like, you know, blood is thicker than water doesn't mean what you think it means. Like, there's more to it than that. And it actually means the opposite <laughs> of, you know, the what the majority of people consider it to be. Because the actual line is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. Meaning that the the blood shared between, you know, brothers of arms or people in a similar situation, you can be closer to your friends than your family and it's okay. Yes. Which, you by know, the way... You are my family. Yeah, I know. You're my family, too. Okay. Thanks. Or, you know, the um, curiosity killed the cat, but satisfaction brought it back is the finality the of that. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't hear that part. It's only curiosity killed the cat. And so there's, if that can happen with something as new relatively as that, then how is this text from a thousand plus years ago still 100% accurate when it's been translated and retranslated and retranslated mm-hmm. into King James version and this kind of version and that kind of version and then the animated version and the kids <laughs> version and then the yep. action bible that's a comic book that you can pick up at Walmart. Like... How can it be translated this many times and still hold the same exact meaning of everything? Yeah. And King James was a dick, so why do we care about his version anyway? Well, and then you've got you've got every freaking, you know, uh, I almost said Egyptian, English king who decided like well i want to be able to divorce my wives well i don't want to be able to divorce my wives well i think everyone should be a protestant well i think everyone should be a lutheran well i think everyone should be a this kind you know like yeah. everyone should be catholic everyone should be protestant we should kill all the catholics no all the catholics <laughs> should actually get together and kill all the muslims and like <laughs> yep i mean there's but- no there's no rhyme or reason to it. Everyone thinks that they're right, which leads me to think that everyone's actually wrong. Yeah. Yep. And that's today's episodes, kid. <laughs> Roya rants about religion again. Part three. 
I love it. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, I mean, that, like I said, I feel like this episode was, was kind of perfect for the speculation and, and, uh, and ranting. Cause we both like, neither of our stories were particularly long, but we, I think we got a lot of good conversation out of it. Lots of things to think about. I'm going to go uh, email Kelly from Cold Justice and see if she wants to bring us along to uh, figure out this case. Okay, yeah, you do that. <laughs> I will. Or maybe I'll just email the BuzzFeed Unsolved guys. I mean, hey, they guys, don't you... go on yeah, but they true could. crime locations. They could, I mean, though. I'd watch it. I mean, they can't right now. They're on quarantine. Whatever. Anyway, thanks for joining us today as we discuss the strange... Yeah, I do this one, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today as we discuss the strange and unusual in Greece. We Hades to have to go. (laughs) But next week, we're traveling to France. We hope that you will reach out to us with your own experiences we want your stories, your questions, your feedback. Send us an email at strangeunusualpodcast at gmail.com. If you're sending us a story, we just ask that you put listener story in the subject line so we can sort through those a little bit more easily. Also, do you know I who, who, who killed those people? Hey! Yeah, do you know who killed the Chrysophidus family? We want to know. Yeah, I want to know do who have- killed them. Do you have a statue that randomly bleeds? I want to know. Do you do you have a favorite gay charioteer? I also want to know. I mean, everyone should. Still, who's yours? (laughs) (laughs) Dale Earnhardt. Rip. (laughs) Dale Earnhardt Jr. What was the one you said? (laughs) Jeff Gordon. (laughs) Jeff. Yeah. I don't know NASCAR. I grew up in Virginia, but I never paid attention. Look. Don't I? I put a thing on Twitter yesterday. I said I know nothing about NASCAR, and I'm not starting now. It's <laughs> literally what I wrote on Twitter yesterday. If I ever got on Twitter, I would know that. Well, I'm trying to be more active on all of our social media. And speaking of social media, you can find us on Instagram at strange underscore unusual underscore podcast, or on our personal accounts, Roya Rampage and Calamity Casey, where we post weird shit in our personal lives. You can find us on Twitter at underscore strange unusual at Calamity Casey and at Roya Rampage. We're on Facebook, just searched for the strange and unusual podcast. And we are also on Patreon, patreon.com slash strange unusual, where we will soon have a, uh, if we don't already have a poll on uh, what our safe word will, will be for our following episodes so that when Roya wants to talk about exploding testicles, I can say safe word. And then she will stop. Casey told me that the safe word can't be exploding testicles and I'm disappointed. Well, good. Casey told me that my safe word can't be exploding testicles, and I'm disappointed. Do you have a hot take on that, babe? So you can't have exploding testicles as your safe word. Right, because Casey's bossy. (laughs) Stand up for me, Elise.
She can't hear you. She's on my side. I'm going to text her. <laughs> okay. Are you texting her now? Yeah. Okay. I'm making everybody listen to it. <laughs> yeah, for some reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am trying to be a lot more active on our social media, though, uh, since we're in quarantine and everybody's bored anyway. I've noticed. I appreciate it, because I just evidently don't have time to do anything. Oh, you can re- you can edit in all, all medias. All right. I like it. Did Elise get my text message? <laughs> no, Elise is playing a video game and is not paying attention to you because she's on my side. Say for it. There's only one person that gets to vote, and it's Elise. And so when I put exploding testicles as the safe word option, I'm going to win. Ugh. Ugh. I'm going to have to make AJ be a Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) And then there'll be a tie. Yep. And then we'll have to play rock, paper, scissors. Anyway, we should probably go now. Did you do the shout out? Did you do the last half of the thing? I didn't. Okay, so Patreon. Yeah. (laughs) So we're on Patreon uh, and there are some uh, sweet bitch episodes uh, that you are missing out on. And we have super sweet bitch episodes. Yeah, super sweet bitch episodes. They are. You got a little taste when we were on a little hiatus there for a minute. But um I do a great one on uh, the Hope Diamond, which you heard us chat about last week. Um, you already heard the Watcher House, which is my favorite one that Roya did. So sorry. <laughs> uh, anyway, there will be so- other good ones though. We talked last week about doing a um, aliens. Yeah, ancient Roya talks about ancient aliens, and additionally, um, you talked about doing Alistair Crowley, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the things to look forward to if you're joining up with Patreon. Yeah. Um, If you cannot support us with Patreon, which we totally understand right now, um, there are lots of issues going on with the coronavirus quarantine and all that. We totally get it. But if you could, please um, rate, review, subscribe where you can. Uh, We would love to give you a shout out if you give us a good rating. Not a bad rating. Uh, We're not going to shout you out then. Uh, well, you have really... to give us a, you have to give us a review, um, so I can see your username and everything, because I can't see independently who rates us. Well, okay. So, don't listen to me. This is why Roya does this part of the thing, because I'm, <laughs> I'm, and and then it? I just say yeah. <laughs> no, I think I did a great job. I don't think you need to do anything else. Okay, I'll leave it exactly how you how you said it. <laughs> okay, I won't edit it at all. Okay, cool. I'm waiting to listen to this later and hear you just cut me out of the whole thing and re-record over top of it. (laughs) That would be really funny. (laughs) If I just cut out certain parts where it just sounds like, you know, and you can follow us on (laughs) patreon.com. Just redacted. (laughs) So yes, patreon.com slash strange unusual, rate, review, subscribe, algorithms, we take a lot of time out of our personal lives to do these episodes and getting you to just pop on and give us a thumbs up and say, hey, great job, ladies, or, you know, hey, 
excellent job, ladies, or awesome job, ladies. That's all we need from you. We're easy to please. We just need some yeah. positive feedback. Don't I don't want your negative feedback. If you criticize me at all, I will cry. Now you're just tempting people to leave negative feedback because they want to see you cry. Well, they're not going to see me cry because they don't see me. Shut up. Anyway, I think that's it. Unless Roya actually <laughs> wants to go back through and say that in a way that's eloquent and nice and not no, me just... No, I, I absolutely do not. We're <laughs> going good. through like a... I already quit. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not worried about it. I already quit, so. Shot. At the Hades joke. Yeah. I'm a wordsmith. I guess that's it. I guess so. Our last episode ever. So I quit. We didn't even make it to 25. Sorry, guys. Nope. Guess we're not going to do that episode on France. So if you were... If you were looking forward to that French ladies and butt sex story, I guess it's not going to happen. <laughs> okay, then. Uh, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>